Wild Rose Casino and Hotel presents Great White. It's Great White, March 26th at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel in Clinton. Tickets on sale now. Get yours at the Iowa store inside the casino or at wildroseresorts.com. Great White at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Clinton. You'd rather be here. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello there, and welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast here on hawkfanatic.com. Support for the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited. Edward Jones and Wild Rose Casino. This is Rob Howe, joined as always by Scott Dockerman from the Gazette. Or I was about to say from the Gazette, man. Talk <laughs> yeah. about flashback. From the wow. Athletic. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Uh, it is Wednesday, March the 9th, a little after 10 a.m. Central Time, recording on a different day. Last week, uh, Scott was in Indianapolis covering the Combine, uh, and he is home today. I am home, but I'm about to leave for Indianapolis for the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, yeah, I don't know where that came from. That that was had to have been from just like the back reaches of my mind. <laughs> well, we were turning back the clock a little bit in our previous <laughs> conversation before we went on, and and uh, you know, I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. Well, I was there ten years, so I mean, it's it's not even been ten years since I've been gone. So it's it's still the lion's chunk of uh, my professional existence. So I, not a problem. I actually made a mistake once. <laughs> this was kind of funny. It was at the uh, it was at the Insight Bowl, or no, not no, the Pinstripe Bowl, and uh, we had to raise our hand and our affiliation, and uh, and it was I think it was post game press conference and. Scott Dockerman from the Gazette. <laughs> Kirk looks up at me and I'm like, I mean, from land to 10 at that point. Everybody started laughing. I'm like, oh, it's been, it's been a uh, year today. But Yeah, sometimes uh, you got to, uh, you get mulligans for those things. Yeah. I'm giving myself one there. So, um, <laughs> Scott, I know you know this, um, but wanted to mention it to the listeners. Uh, as we mentioned, Wild Rose Casino, one of our sponsors, uh, the concerts are quickly approaching. As I said, it's March 9th, uh, Friday, March the 25th at the Jefferson Wild Rose location, uh, Great White Concert. And then the following night, Saturday, March the 26th at the Clinton location, um, you can buy those tickets to the Great White Concerts at Wild 
wildroseresorts.com or at the Iowa store on each property. And the properties are located in Clinton, Jefferson, and Emmitsburg. So great white concert. Seems like it's been, it seemed like that was far away when we first started talking about it. And now we're right there a couple weeks away. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it around Groundhog Day and, uh, you know, and, and when, when you get to Groundhog Day, it's like, is winter really going to last much longer in six more weeks? Here we are. But uh, yeah, now now that's coming up and you can go to that concert to celebrate uh, Iowa, maybe in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. So uh, what a great spot to, you know, by my, my, once bitten, twice shy. With, uh, <laughs> Uh, right after uh, an NCAA tournament uh, second round appearance. Yeah, so we can jump in. Us. We can jump into the basketball conversation there, Scott, and that's going to carry a lot of what we talk about as the Big Ten tournament starts today in Indianapolis with the uh, first four, so to speak, and then uh, gets full swing tomorrow uh, with day two in Iowa. Scheduled to play at approximately one p.m. Central Time, give or take. Um, playing the winner of Nebraska and Northwestern, two teams the Hawkeyes have seen recently. Uh, so that probably helps a little bit with preparation, uh, you know, and they're, they're as, as you guys probably know, and Scott certainly knows, they, they, they have scouting reports for both. They'll prepare scouting reports for both, but it shouldn't be that much different than what they faced before. Even though Northwestern was shorthanded uh, because of illness, the last time or the only time they played this year, the scouting report was preparing them for everybody being healthy. So they, it, it, they didn't play a game against Northwestern in full strength, but they prepared for Northwestern to be at full strength. Yeah. And, and both teams are kind of the same way. I mean, they, they played them in the last half of February to early March. So I, I think they'll be fine when it comes to preparation. Obviously they'll sit and watch it and whoever had the scouts will kind of take the, the lead on, on preparing them with that one day prep, but I don't think that'll be much of an issue for Iowa. I mean, you know, actually if they get past that game and when they, if they play Rutgers, which they would, if they won, uh, that one would be a little bit more, um, revising, you know, because I think everything here is so fresh, but, um, you know, I'm sure for you and for the newspaper friends of ours who are heading that way, this could not have worked out any better time-wise. I mean, uh, the fact that you've got, uh, you know, early afternoon games, um, cause I know more often than not, they've been the last one or they've been the late one. And, and that's when that was tough, even in the old days of newspaper deadlines. And I can only imagine what it's like uh, with, you know, like the Gazette having, I don't know, way too damn early deadlines. And, uh, but, you know, th this matchup intrigues me, whichever way it turns out uh, with Nebraska or Northwestern, because Nebraska has played much better since Iowa pulverized, you know, I, you know, first pulverized them. And then when they played them on Friday night in Lincoln, they played really hard and Iowa had to come back to win that game. And, and I think that that performance kind of inspired the Cornhuskers. And then they upset Wisconsin the other day and, you know, kind of ruined their senior day, ruined their coronation. Yes. They're still co big 10 champions, but you really want to be solo if you can. And, and to lose to the then last place team in the league, um, it shows a lot about Nebraska and it also, you know, shows a lot about Wisconsin. And then, and then Northwestern, I think they're more dangerous when they're healthy than, than people realize. They've been pretty good. So, um, you know, we've seen Iowa stub their toe 
um, quite a bit in the Big Ten tournament over the last 10 years. And um, I'm not predicting that. You never really do. But I do think that if they're not prepared or if they're not ready, um, it could be a very tough game. And and uh, we've seen them lose, to, you know, an 11 seed, a 12 seed, teams like that on a frequent basis. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that that could happen if they're not mentally ready. Yeah, I found it interesting. Um, yeah, but to your point there, I was going to talk about Ken Palm having Iowa as the uh, the second likeliest team to win based on his analytics behind Purdue. Um, I had somebody ask me on the Mailbag podcast yesterday, and this was an easy one for me, and it probably will be for you too. Um, Big Ten tournament championship or Sweet Sixteen? Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, okay. I, it's it's the elef- it's the it's the five thousand pound gorilla on on the back of the program right now yeah well let's let's turn back the clock rob the 2006 and that team that finished second in the big 10 regular season goes to you know the detroit area and uh, would you much rather have had that tournament championship or would you rather get to at least the sweet 16 with that squad not a question in my mind because that's where legacies are built. I mean, granted, you know, the 2001 team went in four and four days. That's great. Uh, Luke Recker's heroics in 2002. That, that's great too. And 2006, which was kind of the most uh, complete team of that era and, and really looked well, but you lose in the first round. It's really hard to um, build any kind of legacy and, and standing you know, historically in your program. And, and if they were to get to Sunday and win, I mean, that's great. That's fantastic for the team. And, um, but it doesn't mean a damn thing come the following weekend and somebody can knock you off. And then it's like, well, what is this worth? I mean, you want to go as long as you can in the big tournament. That's, that's where legends are made. That's what we remember. And, and I think um, that's most important. I don't know. Do you agree or is or do you have a different no, I said 100%. It didn't take me long. Some questions, I mean, it's a fair question, and I think sure. other people would have different answers. I just, for you and I who've been doing this for so long and covering this program for so long, the you know, we've been, it's been beaten into our heads how long ago it was that they won the Sweet 16, you know, or got to the, yeah. reach the sweet, sweet 16. We've seen them win the Big Ten tournament, as you said. It's a great accomplishment. It's a tough league, really hard to do for, you know, the, the 0-1 team that did that one. That one was really unexpected, and to be right. able to win four in four days is is really difficult. And uh, and like you said, the, o, the 0-6 team, um, the most complete team, I think, that I've covered uh, since covering Iowa beyond the Tom Davis's teams at the end. Um, but this team has a different feel. It feels like it's peaking at the right time. It feels like it has a lot of elements of a team that can make a run. Having said that, I have felt this way before Mm -hmm. and maybe not to the extent of peaking, this well at this time um, and how competitive they've been with everybody uh, since the start of February. But I'm also cautiously optimistic, I would say, Scott, because I I don't want the football to be pulled out. I don't want Lucy to pull the football out (laughs) under me again, you know, in terms of me thinking that this is going to be a long run either in this tournament or uh, the big tournament and then them coming up short. 
Right. I mean, I think we got to parse it in different ways and, and because we don't know how they're going to perform. I mean, we've seen it before, as you said, you know, there were a couple of teams that I thought had a chance to make a nice run and didn't. Um, 2015 was one of them. And that was with Aaron White's senior year and Jared Utah was a junior. And, and uh, you know, they, they had a nice they had a nice team that year. They won their last six games of the regular season. Um, you know, Aaron White just stepped up big time. And uh, going into the Big Ten tournament, I thought, okay, they got a chance. They were the sixth seed, or yeah, six, I think it was. And uh, they were playing Penn State in Chicago. And it was an early game. <laughs> and uh, they, they didn't play very well, and they got beat right away. And it was like, wow, that, they really went out of that blue. Then they went out to Seattle, and they beat Davidson. They were a seven, and Davidson was a ten. It was a team, it was a game that, Everybody, I mean, a lot of uh, ESPN talking heads picked Davidson to upset Iowa, and Iowa had the biggest 7-10 victory in NCAA tournament history. But then they had to play Gonzaga right after that, and Gonzaga just took it to them. They had pros, and um, that was one year where I thought that they were ascending in the right direction. I kind of thought, um, I kind of thought 2020 they might have had an opportunity to maybe get to Saturday at least. And then last year, I don't look at it as a bad year or anything. I mean, they just they ran into Illinois. Illinois was good and Illinois beat them. You know, it wasn't one of those years. But, but you know, like the 16 and 14 years to me were the ones where they were really good and then they faded. You know, that's where the Fran fade comes into play and discussion-wise. And I just felt like those teams were not um, – going in the right direction, especially in, in uh, 14. Remember that was right after Patrick McCaffrey's diagnosis. Everybody's wearing shirts for him to celebrate him. And it just went, they were flat. I think they're emotionally just beat, you know, more than anything else that, that it wasn't that they didn't want to win. It's just, they were um, burned out. I thought. And then in 16, they, they faded too. And that one was a little more inexplicable because they had the veteran team with good players, but that all that said, I like this team a lot. I mean, whether they win or not, I, I think this team is this team is giving people hope at the right time of year. And it's been a long time, Rob, since we've seen that, where we've seen a team that's eight and two down the stretch that that's played well. Even the losses were tough, hard fought losses, and you just felt like, all right, you give this team a puncher's chance against anybody, and that Big Ten nationally doesn't matter that they're going to step up and they're going to fight and, and they're going to play. And, and I, I think I really like that about this team. What do you think of this draw when it came out? I, uh, I'm talking about the big 10 tournament, obviously yeah. um, we'll have next week to talk uh, the NCAA draw, but um, you know, get the five seed um, just another, <laughs> another gut wrencher down in Champaign on Sunday, a game that, was right there for the taking. Uh, thought they got a great shot. I love the yeah. play that was drawn up. Chris Murray got a clean look at a three. Just missed it. I mean, yeah. you know, he'll he'll make 40% of those. And he just didn't make that one. So uh, fell down from getting the double buy in the four seed, uh, which went to Rutgers based on the head-to-head. Um, so Iowa is the fifth seed, as we said, plays the winner of Nebraska and Northwestern. Should be heavily favored to win that one. Uh, and then would get Rutgers uh, on Friday, should it get past Rutgers. Uh, another Illinois game, another Illinois game on Saturday in the semifinals. Um, 
I feel like, you know, sometimes you look at those uh, kind of those intangible things should be motivated against Rutgers. Cause that game yeah. was, you know, that was a bad call at the end of that game. Absolutely. I, you can be as objective as you want and say, that's a bad call. Um, and then, you know, we saw what happened Sunday at, at Illinois. That game was there, 15-point lead in the first half. So right. I, I think this is a decent draw to get to Sunday. And then Sunday when you're fourth, you know, it's your fourth game in four days, you just, you know, you hope for the best. For sure. And here's here's kind of what you hope for. If, if that shot goes in. I mean, that, there's no question. That's a big, big, big deal because you would ruin Illinois' chances of winning the, you know, a share of the, of the title. You would put yourself in a double bye. You'd go and beat, I think, is their most heated rival in basketball on their home floor um, when you gave up a lead. But I never felt like that 15-point lead was going to stick. I mean, I thought that, okay, Illinois is going to come back here. And it's a tough matchup for them. And I thought that I'm not, I, you know, they, they were 10 and 22 at the free throw line. So there's, there are no excuses here, but I will say that, um, you know, Kofi Coburn does get the benefit of the doubt more than a lot of players when it comes to incidental contact and traveling. Say. Yeah. Traveling. Well, there's a lot of times, in, you know, in the paint where he's moving his feet all over the place. He's got problems. It's like, come on, dude. And then, you know, He's so big, it's like they give him cut him slack for accidentally hitting somebody. And like, wait a minute, that's a foul. Uh, all that said, they blew that game at the free throw line. You know, yep. they missed what six free throws in the last three minutes. Um, Ten of twenty-two. That's their fault. They lost that game. I will say though, um, had they been the number four and Wisconsin would have been the number one. I would have liked it a lot more because I think they're just as good as Wisconsin. I think they could go toe to toe with Wisconsin in a neutral site. Um, so, you know, and playing Rutgers one day um, and then probably Illinois, although Illinois can be susceptible to getting upset. I could see Michigan or Indiana playing a great game and, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the Dickerson or, or uh, Jackson Davis, equaling or, you know, you know, getting better than Coburn. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get to the semis. But if they're playing chalk and they're playing not only Rutgers and winning and then Illinois, that's a lot to ask. And if they get past Illinois, do they have much gas do they have in the tank? I, I would say of everybody left, don't play Purdue. It's a bad matchup and they will – their path is, well, one day earlier. So I would say that's a bad matchup in the final. But if it's Iowa-Wisconsin for the Big Ten title, I give them a puncher's chance, sure. Yeah, for sure. And that would be another, hey, revenge game. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I think some keys, Scott, here are obviously Keegan can't get in foul trouble. We mm-hmm. saw that there was, a, there was a portion of the season. It was small. It was a couple games where he – kind of got sideways and got some cheap, you know, some cheap ones. He learned from that and hasn't really had that issue uh, since then. So hopefully um, sometimes it's out of your hands, but I think he's doing everything he can to stay on the floor. Um, Patrick McCaffrey's injury is one that hasn't really been talked about a lot, but um, yeah, they played well at Illinois without him um, and, and one at Michigan with him limited. Um, but obviously he's one of the better players on this team, better two-way players. He also gives you another shot blocker in there. 
Uh, Fran said yesterday that uh, yesterday being Tuesday, March the 8th, that he was going to try to practice. I would expect him to play. It's just probably it's a hip injury, by the way. Um, It's going to be, you know, how healthy is he? How long can he go? Um, The good thing is Connor is a very – he's he's different completely different than Patrick but he is a, it's nice to have him as an option but then when you have him as an option stepping in there that takes away one of the bench players so um interesting to see what Patrick's health will be this weekend and you know when you're playing back to back to back how how he handles that yeah exactly and i i think in his case i think you take it day to day uh, again, eyes on the prize. The next, the following weekend is more important, and not you. And I know it. it the Rutgers game is one thing. I mean, if you get on the floor against Illinois, how many people are you know? Even though people say, well, it's probably better to rest up a little bit for the for the NCAA tournament. If you're on the floor against Illinois, the last thing you want is to look over there and watch them beat you again. Yeah, because you hate their guts. And they hate you. And you don't want to see them celebrate again in the Big Ten tournament like they did last year or like they did last weekend with you at your expense. So <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe you settle it down against Purdue or Wisconsin or even Ohio State maybe in the finals. But um, you can't do that against the Lion Eye. Uh, I, I, what I would set caution, though, is, and Fran knows this, it's his, uh, his son, is um, take him slow. Don't, don't press when it comes to him and his health because again the following weekend matters so much more um in the big picture you know doesn't mean you don't want to win any more than you do one way or the other but you don't want him you know to to tweak it or to get overused and then all of a sudden he's a zombie or can't play in the ncaa tournament and then you really need him in in a matchup in the round of 32 or whatever and and then you know, and then that doesn't happen. And then you've got to answer all those questions. And, and uh, we're going to have to hear another year of can Fran ever do anything in March and and stuff like that. And frankly, I just don't want to answer those questions right now. (laughs) I thought uh, another interesting, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, please. Um, Another aspect that came out of Illinois, the Illinois game that I don't think was talked about a lot. Jordan Bohannon gets an early foul trouble, doesn't play much in the first half, um, gets back in there in the second half. He's just not effective. And Fran didn't play him. And I, I don't like that Jordan had a, a tough game and struggled. Um, I don't think that's great for this team. They need him to play well. Um, but I did like that Fran realized it wasn't his night. He has trouble against Trent Frazier. He has trouble getting his shot off against Trent, Trent, Trent Frazier, trouble getting open and, you know, finding, you know, dealing with that pressure, that ball pressure. Um, so it was good, I thought, you know, that Fran has the confidence now to say, listen, my sixth year senior, senior isn't playing well. I'm okay going to Joe Tucson or Aaron Eulis and letting them play not that he, they haven't done that before, but they haven't done yeah. that a lot in replace of Jordan. Sure, yeah, and, and I thought that was really a smart move. I mean, you know, it sucks for him that, but when you get into foul trouble, whether it's 
you know, you argue that it's not really a foul or not, it's irrelevant. You got called. And, and so, you know, playing 14 minutes and um, missing your only two shots. I mean, that's, that's part of the breaks. And yeah, I mean, I think having the ability to have a Chris Murray coming off the bench, Peyton Sanford was able, you know, he's three for three and he had a really nice game and he's going to fill that void next year, that vacuum. And he, to me, I, I, He's, I don't know if he's been a surprise as much as he's just been, wow, okay, I didn't expect him to come this far this fast. I thought he would just be kind of probably end of the bench marginal guy, not, okay, he's coming in and he's he's firing away and he's doing a nice job. And I thought, he would, said, I thought he'd be I, – I just figured he'd be a three-point guy. You know, you lose Frederick and we or um, C.J. Frederick and Wieskamp, you need another three-point shooter. He's more than that, man. He rebounds, plays defense. I've been impressed with him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he – He's kind of a, a throwback guy to the Tom Davis era. Yeah. You know, a lot of players were like him back then, you know, and I think he just, he, he feels like he could fit in there. And of course he would fit in with this team and he has, uh, but yeah, Joe Toussaint and Aaron Euless come off the bench and, and give them valuable minutes and do things that, that Jordan can't do sometimes. And, and Jordan is, you know, with, with his game, there's there's really two aspects, facilitating offense and hitting threes. And if he's not really – he's not in the game to facilitate offense and it's going okay and he can't get his shot off because they know who he is and they know how to attack him. Um, you know, and it's not like Trent Frazier had a great game either. Right. He had a terrible game, you know. He had two points and was 0 for 5 from 3. But um, but uh, so they, I guess they even each other out. But it, it's, it's a matter of um, – you know, doing what's best for the team. And, you know, and who knows against Rutgers or um, Nebraska or slash Northwestern or even Illinois again, maybe it's another way around and he hits 10 threes like he did, uh, what was against Maryland? So I think, um, you know, that's the right move for this team. And, and hopefully, uh, I, I don't know, I haven't talked to Jordan or anything, but hopefully it didn't bother him and he just moves on. Yeah. And as we said, it, you know, him contributing is, is the ideal scenario. It's him coming back and hitting some threes uh, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then next yeah. week. Um, that's what you need. And uh, his ability to, as you said, facilitate offense, make sure the ball is moving side to side instead of getting stuck in a dribble. Uh, those are important aspects of what he brings to the table. Connor as well does the same thing. I think those guys really are. Um, aware of ball movement and understand what needs to be done in this offense. So uh, those guys are vital, but again, I think it's, it's encouraging that Fran could go to Joe T and Euless for that ball movement that they, that they've developed in those areas that he felt comfortable going to them. And uh, tough team, tough team to scout Iowa really is. I mean, you've got to prepare for a lot. Um, we've talked about all these guys, you know, if Patrick comes back and you've got Chris coming off the bench and Sanford and, you know, basically three point guards in Mm -hmm. Bohannon, Euless and Toussaint, and then Perkins plays some point on defense and can also run sets. I mean, it's a difficult scout for opponents. I know the big 10, um, probably will have a better handle on it than maybe, the NC, when they get to the NCAA and it's a quicker scout for teams. Um, but it's, it's an advantage for this team in my mind. No, for sure. And, and I think if there is a player, you know, we talked about Sanford, but I think if there's a player who is 
really elevated his stature and, and importance on this team. It's Tony Perkins. I mean, the other day, outside of missing the, the free throws, which I'm sure will haunt him, but, you know, 17, 17 points, 12 rebounds in, in Champaign, um, you know, had a, what, five assists, I want to say, um, you know, just, just a tremendous performance again. And since he's moved into that lineup, you know, you've got a two guard who could score, not necessarily a three, you know, shoot, point shooting guard, but he's just a dog on the defensive end, does everything you ask him to do. It, it's really, he's brought another dimension alongside, you know, the best player on the team and one of the best in the country, Keegan Murray. Yeah, and his ability to play on-ball defense and get Jordan off of that, and um, I think has helped quite a bit as well. Um, Big Ten Awards came out yesterday, Scott. I didn't think many surprises, at least from my mind. Um, you know, I th- there were, were probably four guys that had an argument for player of the year. It went to the guy, one of the guys whose teams shared the Big Ten title and Johnny Davis. Uh, I think Kofi had an argument. I think Jaden Ivey had an argument. And I think Keegan Murray had an argument. All those guys, first team, all Big Ten. I don't know who didn't vote for Johnny Davis. Uh, yeah. First team, all Big Ten. That was one of the, the only gl- things that stuck you know, stuck out to me was who's the clown that didn't vote for Johnny Davis first team, first team all big mm-hmm. ten. Yeah, I agree. I don't know who did that, and um, if uh, you know, nobody's going to admit to it, right? Because <laughs> you, you don't get it. You don't want to get Twitter ratioed or whatever. Um, but what I, I will say is, uh, it probably would be for the best if uh, they the Big Ten took away their vote. Um, yes. Because I don't think that that's, I mean, when you've got a guy who is the player of the year and, and I'm not, you know, you could make a case for Keegan, you can make a case for Kofi, certainly. And, and Johnny Davis, Johnny's who I would have voted for uh, probably just simply because they were a team that I didn't expect to win the big 10 title. And they did. And you kind of skew that way. And when you've got three players that are all, you know, of equal stature, not necessarily statistically, and Keegan Murray and, and Johnny Davis and Kofi Coburn, I think you reward that team that, that won. And and I think Kofi um, at times can disappear. And whereas Johnny, you know, not against Iowa, but <laughs> against everybody else. Um, but Johnny is uh, one that, I mean, his team won the championship or at least tied for it. So I, I think that's that's one that should be rewarded. And whoever did not vote for him, either didn't watch the game, has something there. Maybe they, I don't know, uh, maybe they had something against, I'm not saying, I, I don't like to use that biased stuff, but um, I, I, I really do question it. That is not a, you know, it's one thing if you say you voted for Ron Harper over even uh, A.J. Liddell or yeah. Jaden Ivey possibly, but then to vote for him over, you know, I'm not saying it was him, but, you know, or Hunter Dickinson over Johnny Davis to me is like, okay, you, you obviously have not, not only didn't pay attention to the season or the games, you have some focus on something that's not there. Yeah. If you're taking, like you said, if you're taking somebody off of that starting five to put your guy in there, whether it's Hunter Dickinson or Trace Jackson Davis or whoever else you want to put in there for, because he's your guy, 
Um, Davis is not the guy you take off. Davis, Keegan Murray, and Kofi are the three that you don't take off. I would not take Jeff, I would not take Jaden Ivey off. I think he's he's a lock first teamer. Maybe that fifth spot you have some discussion over. Um, yeah. But Liddell to me is it w- would have been my pick as well. I didn't have that. That's that five was my five. Yeah, I have no question that that's the five that I would pick. And you know, even at the athletic, I. I, we, we submitted our uh, all our athletic team of the year and our top two teams. And I had um, those four guys counting Ivy on our, our top two teams. I mean, <laughs> teams yeah. of five. And I thought all four of them were deserving of it. And they would have been like, if you're not picking one of those four, uh, you know, and I'm not at every game anymore. I'm at a lot of them, but I wouldn't have, <laughs> I mean, you've got to pay attention. I mean, you're a voter, you know, you're not a, you know, and I know people give us a hard time for voting and whether we should do it or not. I try to think that the majority of us who take that, take it very seriously and uh, try to do a good job because it's, you're representing, you're, you're trying to do it fairly and, you know, and, and there's no reason to do any kind of homerism or anything. And, and this to me was an egregious mistake that, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they put four people on the first team. And they accidentally left them off or they didn't read. I don't know, but it, I guess it's not a pencil number two lead and not <laughs> a hanging Chad. I don't like we're going to the voter booth, but. Going to be a whole lot of NBA scouts. There's always a lot of NBA scouts at the big 10 tournament, but you've got lottery guys there, mm-hmm. multiple lottery guys, which that hasn't happened a ton in the big 10 recently. This is as good of a set of NBA prospects as this league's had in a while. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only that, you're going to get more in the, in the future. You know, you look yeah. at people are going to look at, at Keegan, for instance, as a lottery pick, but they're going to watch Chris too, because yep. they think Chris is, Hey, he's, he's a year away from, from that, but I think he could be there. And Johnny Davis, of course, Kofi, you know, is he good enough? Um, you know, Liddell can score and, and then other players too. Ron Harper Jr. I think is outstanding. And, you know, Hunter Dickinson can be a pro at, at that level. Trace Jackson Davis, I think is a NBA guy. And, um, you know, whether they're first or second round or what have you. And, you know, Trent Frazier, if he's, if he can defend, then, you know, there's a spot to at least look at him and sign him and maybe play him on the G league team. But, you know, until his offense catches up, but there's, <laughs> there are a lot of really good players in this league and, and it'll be fun to, fun to watch. I, I mean, I, I don't know who, uh, who all will get drafted, but I, I would say they've got seven or eight players to me that I think will, um, come June looking forward to this tournament um sometimes when it's this wide open it ends up being chalk um but we'll see if that happens uh we talked about Illinois potentially being there for Iowa if it got by Rutgers on Friday Illinois is going to have a Illinois is going to have a tough Friday game um whether it's Indiana close to home or Michigan you just don't know what you're going to get with that so it, I, like you said earlier, Iowa could end up on that Saturday with an Indiana or a Michigan sitting there for them. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the cool thing is you look at, um, you know, both of them have posts that could go head to head with Kofi. Yep. And if Kofi gets two quick fouls, I mean, that game has changed in a heartbeat. Uh, Michigan has Juwan Howard back after his uh, stupid 
suspension. And, and then you have, uh, you know, Indiana is, is underachieved, but we've always seen them that they have good talent and Jackson Davis is, is terrific. And, and so I, I think, you know, they've got, you know, race Thompson, Xavier Johnson. I mean, these are guys that can go out and throw down on a given night. Um, you know, and they have their own little rivalries with Illinois and everybody has a rivalry with somebody pretty much in this league. So, I mean, you know, they, they play first thing in the morning on Friday and Illinois is still celebrating what happened Saturday night. They could get bounced and bounced by double digits. Yep. And then, uh, and then you could see Iowa versus Indiana in the semifinals, which I think would, uh, thrill in some ways, the, the locals, because not only get Indiana in there, which is still the biggest draw in, in that state. And then, Iowa, which is surging, and Iowa, you know, you know how many people will probably say Friday afternoon if they went, oh man, all right, we got to go. Let's just hop in the car and see if we get tickets. Yeah, <laughs> a couple hundred at least, <laughs> right? Yeah, you oh know. yeah. Um, coming from maybe come down from Chicago, I go for sure. Yeah. Um, and we all know the interesting dynamic in the in these tournaments, Scott, is that dynamic of a team playing for the second time or third time already in the tournament as opposed to the team that just getting its first or just seeing its first action, like will be the case with Illinois and Rutgers on Friday. Whenever those teams play, they'll be playing a team that's already played a game. Yeah, they'll have fresher legs, but it's those early games in the day that you talked about earlier where it's kind of like, it's a weird time to play, you know, and, and uh, a lot of times the arena doesn't, isn't, as full as it is for the night sessions and uh, weird things happen in those settings. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know how many people, but you know, if you get say Indiana, Illinois, it'll be pretty rocky. Yeah. All for sure. Close. And, but if, but Iowa Rutgers probably won't be, you know, unless, unless they all stick around for that second game, you know, (laughs) which I don't know (laughs) if they will or not, but you know, but if you get Iowa Rutgers here, it could be quiet. We've seen, quiet arenas and that's kind of you you got to get yourself into it and that's where you get a team on a run and another team that's flat boom you know now Rutgers could be sky high I think a lot of of Steve Peichel I thought he's terrific when he was at Stony Brook he brought that team to Iowa for an NIT game and coached it really well even though Iowa was clearly a better team and then he's done as good of a coaching job as anybody in the league frankly since he took over at Rutgers because that place was I mean that that was a cratered program. That was I mean they lost like it was worse than Penn State. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean they were they were horrible. I mean just you know they lost like thirty some odd games in a row. I mean they were. I, I remember looking it up when I was in the cassette. It was and the only team that lost more Big Ten games in a row than they did at one point was like the University of Chicago before they dropped out. That they were getting beat like that. It was just. You know, so it led to that whole Rutgers shouldn't even be in the Big Ten, you know, when you have football and basketball being so horrific, you're like, there's no use to this. But um, but they've got a lot of really good players, you know, Geo Baker, Ron Harper, as we said, Caleb McConnell, Paul McKay, and I always want to say Father McKay, <laughs> but <laughs> just think of that all the time. But, uh, but you know, that. And that was a dog fight against Iowa, which neither team, you know, I guess it was more like putting on a golf green than it was shooting baskets, (laughs) you know, but that game got solved by a really bad foul. It was almost like the official said, 
all right, we got to end this game. This this game sucks. Let's just call whatever is close. And that was one of the worst foul calls I saw all year. You know, probably the worst, actually. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Rutgers veteran, too. Guys that have been there really uh, – that's the one of the more interesting aspects of this year's uh, postseason NCAA basketball. You've got a lot of COVID guys, whereas they wouldn't be involved, or you may have had guys that would have left earlier for the NBA um, that stayed because of last year. Um, so it will be interesting. I think we'll see better basketball this postseason. Uh, you look at the bottom of the bracket, Scott, you've got uh, – Minnesota and Penn State playing the late game today. The winner gets Ohio State in the late game tomorrow. Um, and after the Iowa game, uh, the first game of the second session tomorrow is Maryland and Michigan State. Uh, the winner of that lines up with, with Wisconsin on Friday. The winner of Ohio State, Minnesota slash, slash Penn State plays Purdue on Friday. So um, we'll see if there's any upsets out of those early games. I, you know, I, I would say that the weakest team in the field seems to be Minnesota, um, that Minnesota has really fallen and they look like they're ready to tap out. And Penn State's been a tough out. I mean, they beat Iowa in double overtime and, and uh, at times they could play really well. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get into a game with Ohio State that that's a competitive game. I would be surprised if Minnesota wins, and I would very much be surprised if they won a second game. But, um, but I think Penn State's got the ability to to, to win two. I, I would agree. I would think that um, Michigan State. This is the weirdest dynamic of, or weirdest year I've ever seen. I mean, you look at like the the meeting, uh, the the voting panel, and how that everything came out. Mm-hmm. They had one honorable mention guy, and that's it. I mean, Gabe Brown. I mean, that's <laughs> the win. That that's inexplicable, and and so when you look at it from that perspective, you go, how the hell did Tom Izzo get that much out of this team? And not know, of course, knowing that he should, you know, what the hell happened to the team? But still, um, you know, the it, I I don't know. Maryland is a weird team because you don't know what exactly what they're going to do. They they still got talent. Fats Russell's a good player. Um, Iowa pulverized them, but. Uh, I would expect Michigan State to, to win and then lose to, to Wisconsin. I would expect, you know, Purdue to me is the best team there. I, I still think that. I would pick them to win it. And uh, do you think uh, do you think Iowa's going to get to Sunday? Do you think they can get to Sunday, Rob? I think they can, Scott. The one um, kind of uh, aspect of this that's hard is that fourth getting to that winning that third game in three days against potentially Illinois or, you know, if it's Michigan, if it's, um, you know, Indiana or Michigan, then you're in the same boat and, you know, legs are the same, but I like the depth of this team. I think it can. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, there's that historical perspective in the back of my head of, feeling good going into this and then seeing them come up short. But I feel, and I'm trying to live in the moment as much as possible about this team and how I feel about this team. And if I just isolate that, I think it does have the elements to win this tournament. And 
as I mentioned earlier, Ken Palm gives them the second best odds to win. It's behind Purdue. That's a lot when you're saying that's the fifth seed. Uh, and even the, you know, the, the sharps who put money down on this, a lot of money's, you know, Iowa's a, one of the favorites to win this tournament besides yeah, being a fifth seed. So, I mean, it's, there's a chance you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> one in a million no. um, <laughs> what do you think oh yeah I do I think this is one of those years where they have a chance I mean I think you look at Indiana Michigan and, and the winner is going uh, the, I think the winner goes to the NCAA tournament um, even if it's Indiana which is kind of on the edge if Michigan loses they're 17 and 14 and it's like that's Dayton territory at best so I think you're going to get a pretty fierce battle there off right off the bat. And I think that'll carry over and I can, uh, you know, I'm not going to make total predictions. Don't spend your money on what I have to say here, but I, I think the winner of that beats Illinois. And I think Iowa beats, uh, you know, whoever they play, um, you know, Thursday, I think they beat Rutgers. And then I think Iowa beats, let's say it's Indiana on Saturday. And then I think Purdue wins the tournament head to head with the Hawkeyes. I, I think that's how I would project it. If, I could build a more perfect bracket for the Hawkeyes. It's, you know, for a million reasons, Chris Murray hitting that three, the buzzer, they're the four seed. They go to the, you know, they get the double by, then they play Wisconsin. Um, Cause I think they can beat Wisconsin. And then, you know, three and three days is a lot more, but you know, the one thing about this is this whole tournament that I, I don't really like that. I, I understand it, but I don't like it. And that is, it's the lead into the selection show. And the reason why CBS wants to do that is, and Big Ten is it's a high profile tournament. It's a high profile game. You're going to get a great atmosphere and two competitive teams that everybody knows. So they want something to lead into that coverage. But if you're the Big Ten champion, it becomes a footnote in a matter of minutes. I mean, you're in half an hour. It's nothing. It's yeah. You had this great accomplishment in Iowa's case one of the biggest wins in program history, frankly. And then it goes, okay, and now you're the number four seed and you're off to Portland. <laughs> it's like, okay, now we got to worry about that. And uh, to me, I think that's, that's why it's a disservice. I mean, I feel that way even about the Big Ten football championship, having a late Saturday night and then finding out at, what, 11 o'clock the next morning where you're going to go to the bowl game if you're going to playoff. But this is you know, in a matter of minutes and you, you can't celebrate it because you've got to concentrate on what's next or it's going to be over. And, yep. and so I think in some ways that, that they do a kind of a big, you know, a disservice to the, to the big 10 champion when that goal goes down. I think Iowa is playing for something this weekend, obviously a higher seed and potential to stay closer to home in Milwaukee or Indianapolis. You've got to, Got to think Purdue's going to probably get Indianapolis or Milwaukee. Um, yeah. Illinois's got a chance. You know, they're ahead of Iowa, you know, for a chance to play in one of those locations. Wisconsin, pretty obvious choice to go to Milwaukee. You're not going to want to cram too many Big Ten teams into those two locations. But if Iowa could somehow win the Big Ten tournament, they it certainly increases its odds to stay closer to home and improve its seed. What's really tough is when you have good teams like this in those locations and, you know, certainly Indianapolis and Milwaukee, I think Iowa would take either one in a heartbeat right now. Um, But the problem is that uh, 
you know, you also got a Kentucky that's nearby to Indianapolis. And that's they're going to get Kentucky's getting Indianapolis. That's going to happen unless they, unless something weird happens. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I kind of played around with this just to figure out, you know, where they might end up. And, and uh, you know, I think Indianapolis is gone probably by the two seats and that's Kentucky and Purdue for the twos, which means the sevens are the, are the ones that go there. So um, I think the threes are where you're going to get to Milwaukee. And that's probably, you know, right now today, Wisconsin and Illinois. Yep. Um, and, uh, and so that doesn't leave a lot of good things for the Hawkeyes left. If they get a, say a four, you're getting the leftovers and that's like Portland, maybe San Diego, maybe Buffalo, New York. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with those places, but you'd rather hop in a car than hop on a plane. And, and I think more fans would do that. And, and so <clears throat> would it, you know, where, where do you want to end up? You know, I mean, I think, you know, it, would you rather be a six playing it? So let's say Kentucky gets to the three, they're the top third team. Um, would you rather have be playing Kentucky and Indianapolis as the six, or would you rather be the four playing in Buffalo, New York? Now um, for fans, that's a, that's a mixed bag. If, if you're a player, give me the four. I mean, right. I don't care. I want the, want the better matchup and that gives you a chance to get where you need to go. So, um, you know, I mean, Portland's probably the worst of the bunch, you know, just because of the distance and the horrific flights and stuff like that. But I would say um, San Diego is pretty tough. Greenville, South Carolina. I, I don't know, you know, depending on what Duke does, I'm sure they're going to be there. I don't um, think Pittsburgh wouldn't be terrible. No, you can do a long road trip to Pittsburgh. Yep. 11, you, 12 hours. You can do a long road trip to Pittsburgh. Ain't no way I'm doing Pittsburgh. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just spent some time in Pittsburgh for, with football. Not a bad city. Hermione Brothers sandwiches. City. They got good food there. That wouldn't be bad for Hawk fans. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I was there. I don't know if you were there, too, but for the two uh, games in football in yeah. 08, 14. Yep. And yeah, it was, it's a great city, and it's it, you know, if, if you think of it as like this old steel mill town, it's completely different. It's, yep. you know, the, the three rivers, the confluence of the Mongahela and Allegheny into the Ohio. I mean, it's so cool. And, and uh, you know, the, obviously the baseball stadium and uh, football in Heinz Field is just outstanding. But, you know, I think that would be that would be one that, hey, let's hop in the van and go. Yeah, you can do that. You know, and it might be what, probably 10, 11 hours maybe in the car. That sounds about right. Yeah. So you leave at eight o'clock in the morning, get there by six at night. You're in a bar. And, um, but I tell you what, the coolest thing about that airport for me is when you're in the terminal and uh, I think you're going to baggage claim and you walk to the escalator and there are two statues there. One is George Washington, defender of Fort Pitt. (laughs) The other is Franco Harris, the immaculate reception. So, um, you know, it's a Steelers city. And, uh, yeah, if, uh, if, if I, you know what, if I wanted to get the locals involved, you know who they would bring with them as like an an unofficial uh, mascot, Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah. The Steelers fans love him. Absolutely love him. And so if he came there and, you know, Hey everyone, we just want to say hi to Iowa center, Tyler (laughs) Linderbaum. Who would get a standing ovation like you would never get because they want him in the worst way. 
Scott, you're all about segues, man. And that's going to be an excellent segue into our next conversation about the combine. I think, uh, is it Dane, Dane Brugler? Is that your guy? Yeah. yeah. Um, he had Tyler falling quite a bit in his latest mock. I think he had him 31, 31. Yeah. To, um, to Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be 31 because they were in the Super Bowl. Um, thoughts on that thoughts on, uh, Obviously, he still hasn't worked out at his pro day. I mean, there's still plenty of time for teams to figure. I, I don't think teams have their boards set yet. No, their boards won't get set till maybe the second week of April. They have an idea where they want to go. I don't see it being much of an issue. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know where, what range he'll go in. It would not surprise me in the least if the New York Jets, 10, says – Hey, he's a tempo setter. Let's let's get him. We don't have to worry about that position. We know he's going to make everybody around us better. Because sometimes with upside, you never know what you're going to get. A lot of times you get a bust. And with him, there's no bust at all. I think you you pl- you plug, you play. He's probably going to the Pro Bowl, and maybe you get a, a Kevin Mawai or something like that if you're the Jets or um, or the Ravens, who you know their GM talked him up super big last week and. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of teams there. Pittsburgh, as I talked about earlier, going to 31 to Cincinnati. I don't see that happen. I don't even think Dane sees that happen. It's just kind of the way the the it all kind of boiled down. And um, somebody, I, would, I think, don't you think somebody would trade up if he was still like in the like 25 or something like that? 20, you know, early 20s. I would think somebody would trade up, even if they've made a pick already and passed on him. There are a lot of teams that that like him. Yeah, right. I mean, for all those reasons, I mean, if you're the New England Patriots, you know who you're going to get. You know, although that might be tough for Neil Cornrich because he represents him and uh, James Ferentz, but uh, <laughs> but you bring you keep James around as your backup, I guess, uh, again yeah. for the millionth straight year. But um, yeah, uh, the Baltimore Ravens could trade back up and get him. You know, they love him, and all those teams. It's it's like, man, he's better than what we've got. And we know what we're going to get. We're going to get it for a long time. So um, I, I would expect him. The range is wide as far as I think he can go from 10, pick 10 to 25. But but then there are other factors like what if uh, somebody at, you know decides they want to trade up with the Giants at seven uh, to get a quarterback and the Giants fall to 18 to where the New Orleans Saints are and the Giants go, you know, he's, he's a good player. We want him. That, that to me, I think is Cape is, is possible for him. So I, I, I wouldn't sweat it. I would just kind of write it out. This short arm discussion is kind of laughable. He's probably, if there is one drawback that it's legitimate, it's that he's maybe not for everybody because some people like 330 pound big physical Wisconsin type line. Right. And he's not quite in that discussion i would say though for teams that are going all right well we're gonna we're a move and pull team or we're we're a team that likes to run zone there's nobody better and you know he had he was listing some of the teams off and and some players like to do that some don't he listed seven or eight um that that had met with him and he had more formals along the way and um you know like the Packers at 28, I think they would take him in a heartbeat to the Steelers. I think if they traded back, they would certainly take him. Even the Bears met with him and he was, he would be 39. That's where they are for their first pick. And if uh, they bypassed him, 
I don't think any fan in Iowa would ever root for him again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be idiotic. But no, so uh, you know, I, he's going to go. He's going to go in the first round, and and uh, he's going to make the team very very happy for a long period of time. The other two guys, uh, obviously Tyler, as we talked about on on last week's podcast, Tyler did Tyler Linderbaum did not test in Indianapolis, still recovering from a uh, midfoot sprain. Uh, well, the uh, Iowa's Pro Day is what, March 21st? March 21st. So uh, you guys could be getting back from uh, Portland that day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, see, uh, we'll see how he does there. Hopefully he can uh, work out for, for uh, scouts there. Um, my guess is all teams will be represented at that, po- at that Pro Day. Um, a yeah. couple guys from Iowa, underclassmen, other, other, uh, other underclassmen who uh, did work out at in Indianapolis, Scott Tyler Goodson um, and Dane Belton, and both performed well. Tyler Goodson, uh, fastest running back in Iowa history at the combine, um, four four two, uh, tremendous. His vertical jump was was three six five, which um, puts him about mid pack. You know, I mean, they had some explosive guys like Tavian Banks and Liddell Betts and Sean Green in the past, but three six thirty six five is is really good. And you know, his weight was was at a good level. He performed well. He, he handled himself well. You know, it, he was he's on the lower end of the running backs going in, but I I think by posting those numbers in the top five of those ranges, it at least allows teams to go okay well let's take a closer look at this guy and it's not going to be hey he ran a 442 we got to draft him it's more like okay let's look at the film here let's let's take a look and see where he kind of fits in and maybe he goes from being the 20th running back on your board to the 12th or the 15th or something and then in the sixth seventh round maybe all right now um you know and you compare that to some of the other guys in the past um you know the 442 uh, the fastest before him was Tavian, four four eight. But um, you know, Makai Sargent, he didn't get officially get to go to the combine. He was four six nine. Akram was was four five four, and the vertical um, out of the the recent combine guys over the last twenty five years, uh, you know, Fred Russell was at uh, thirty four. Um, Akram was thirty two. So yeah, I mean, he did, he did really well there. But Dane Belton. Um, really to me may have been even more uh, impressive. And part of that was, you know, he tied Jordan Bernstein for the second fastest 40 among a defensive back in Iowa history, um, you know, with a, uh, you know, four, four, uh, three. So just a shade past uh, Goodson, but Bob Sanders is the only one that's run faster there. Um, You know, his, uh, his vertical was high, his weight was good. And, I don't dare say this, that he was about as good of an interview in the media area that I, that I can remember. And so I think, again, with what he accomplished on the field, he was a first-team All-Big Ten player for both media and coaches. He led the Big Ten or tied to the Big Ten tie, uh, lead in uh, interceptions to perform like that and to play multiple positions. I think he's probably not only uh, – definitely a draft pick but you know maybe he sneaks up into that third fourth round range yeah I think both of those guys helped themselves and like you said just kind of drew attention to themselves to the point where maybe a team wasn't going to really investigate or dig deep into them 
Um, mm-hmm. Now more teams will, more scouts will, um, more people in those facilities will. And, uh, you know, they follow it up with, with good interviews, which both, of, as we said last week, all three of those guys, it would be surprising if they didn't interview well. Um, right. So I think uh, obviously Linderbaum made a good decision coming out. I think the other two did as well. And I know there was some question whether or not they should, um, but I think it was a good choice for both of them. You're right. Um, you know, when it comes to, let's start with Tyler Goodson. Um, a running back has a very short shelf life in that league. And if you can get drafted, you should probably go ahead and do that. And, um, you know, a couple of guys that somewhat linked to the Hawkeyes, former uh, commits that moved on, um, you know, Karan Higdon and, and uh, you know, Benjamin. You know, you know, Benjamin's still in the league. He was a seventh-round draft pick. He left after three years. Um, so did Karan Higdon. He was a free agent. I mean, you put yourself in a tough spot, but what happens if dot, 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 you stay? Now, in his case, what if he has a 1,300, you know, yard year and he's first team all Big Ten? You know what the NFL says? Neat. That's good. You know, mm-hmm. move on. Congrats. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope you made a lot in NIL money uh, because uh, we're not going to change how we evaluate you. And, and uh, you get a lot of tread on that tire. That's one less year of football in your body. And it's kind of the same thing with the defensive back. Now, Dane and Gino in particular, I was a little bit more, uh, they, they could probably build their resume a little bit more by staying. But again, if you've got eight years of football left in your body, get paid for eight, not seven. And Dane had enough of, um, you know, I mean, like Gino's 40 time is 4.62, you know, Dane's 4.43. You know, Dane is, you know, had almost identical vertical jump, just a half an inch short of Amani Hooker. Um, and he was faster than the 40. And he, and I think he, Amani to me was, was thicker, bigger um, box guy. I think Dane could play more in the back end. I think Dane's still a little bit more raw, but I think he's the type of guy that uh, you bring in as your eighth defensive back. You draft him in the, in the four, third, fourth, maybe fifth round. And in three years, he might start for you somewhere. And, uh, you know, and he played, had to play strong side linebacker in a lot of sets. So I think he's, uh, he's going to make money. And, and I do think at Iowa's pro day that there's going to be a couple of players turning heads too. And, but as you said, what that, what this does is they, they take their interviews, the teams that met with them formally or informally, they, uh, and so they're going to be like, okay, that's cool. Um, they take this, the statistics and what they did. And then after that, then they'll go and, um, you know, say, all right, well, let's talk to this guy at Iowa's pro day. Let's pull him off to the side or let's bring him in for a visit. And then, uh, and I think a couple other players are going to get some pretty good play at Iowa. Um, I think Zach Van Valkenburg will. I think Jack Kerner will, because Jack's going to do some, some weight work that (laughs) show off and, um, you know, and, and who knows, you know, maybe there might be a couple others. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, then maybe maybe a couple of former players stop by, and you know, if you're a Keith Duncan, I would do that. You know, hey, everybody could use a good kicker. Yeah, look forward to um, pro day coming up and uh, spring practice getting underway. Only a few weeks away from that starting, so coming Two quick weeks from today. Coming quick. 
Yeah, yeah. I know. Off seasons don't last very long. There are no off seasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> wrap up here, Scott. Iowa women's basketball. Congrats. Big Ten regular season and postseason champions. First time that's happened in program history where they've pulled off the double. Uh, Hawkeyes will be hosting uh, when the bids come out uh, Sunday night, I believe. Uh, I think it's after the men's tournament is announced. The women's, they did move it to Monday for a while. Now they're back yeah. to Sunday night. So okay. um, we'll be interesting to see what type of matchups the Hawkeyes get, but that's a team that's uh, certainly positioned to make it to the second weekend of the, of the women's tournament. And uh, was really fun kind of watching them uh, move through the, the field in Indianapolis last weekend. What a terrific team. Um, and it really, they are, they're, they're set where they, I think they have a chance to make a big run in on a big meaning final four type run. I, I think they played themselves in the position where they might be a two seed, um, if not a uh, high three, but I think a two, you know, if you are the co big 10 champion and if you win the big 10 tournament title and you have the most exciting player in America and, one or two best player in America, um, Leo Boston of South Carolina being right there too. I think uh, you want that. You're the, the if you're the NCAA, you want that team to long, last as long as it can. Um, but what a tremendous run because they're playing teams that uh, Northwestern plays them really hard. Veronica Burton's a terrific uh, competitor for for the Wildcats. They split with them in the regular season. The only win was on the road in overtime, and yet there were. Um, so they had to fight there. Uh, Nebraska was certainly game ready for that. And Indiana, you know, they had to beat them twice in a three-day period when Indiana was, you know, the number one team in the, in the Big Ten. And then they had to really battle um, in that game. You knew Indiana wanted to beat them. And yet they're the, they're the last one standing. They were able to withstand struggles by Caitlin Clark. Um, and then Monica Zanzano just had a tremendous tournament and final game. So, um Really exciting to watch. I think the place at Carver Hawkeye Arena, we, we give it a hard time for some of the times the men's basketball atmospheres. I don't think we'll have to complain at all about the women's atmosphere. I think it'll be out of this world uh, that first weekend. Charlie Cream, who does the uh, bracketology for the women, updated his brackets this morning on ESPN. A little less lesser known than Joe Lenardi, but Charlie does good work. <laughs> uh, yeah, He's got Iowa's a three. Um, with Ole Miss being the sixth seed there, Washington State being 11th, and Iowa would play Southern Illinois uh, in the first round uh, at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. So um, just a guide, nothing uh, that's not what's going to happen, but just kind of a, gives you an idea of kind of where Iowa sits right now. Yeah, right. Well, it, it'll be an exciting selection Sunday. You know, Without whether- question whether the men are in Indianapolis or over at Carver Hawkeye, uh, the women, wherever they end up. I mean, I think this is a time to celebrate. This is a time to, you know, it's, it's, it's a great time of year and you get the confluence, you know, wrestling did not play perform as well as I think they expected. They had a lot more medical tap outs than I think most people would have liked, but um, the NCAA tournament, they're going to be a very competitive team there too. So I expect, uh, you know, that first weekend to be one of the more exciting weekends in, in Iowa sports history with those three teams all coming, competing at the same 
potentially the same days and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, congrats as well. As you mentioned, the wrestling um, congrats to Alex Marinelli, four-time big 10 champion. That's uh, that's some heady stuff right there. Yeah. As you said, and give the Hawkeyes an incomplete for the big 10. I think, right. um, you know, I, who, who medically forfeited Kemmer, Ironman, um, Cassiopeia, although that was, wouldn't have mattered. Um, <laughs> no offense. Tony's had a great season, but, uh, yeah. finishing that, number two is like finishing number one. Most of yeah. Time. The heavyweight division is, uh, is the, has been decided. It's a, it's a race for second now, but, um, mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, we'll see, uh, if those injuries heal up in two weeks and, at what percent they heal up for these guys when they get to nationals. Uh, Iowa should be in the conversation, but, you know, Michigan surprised a lot of people by winning the big 10 Penn state, obviously is Penn state. So each of these tournaments as you go up, there's more wrestlers involved and more things. There's, there's more ways points can be scored. Right. Exactly. And your guy gets upset. It's a big deal. I mean, or if your guy wins by a couple upsets, I think somebody like Jacob Warner, you know, push it, you know, see if you can get, if you can get to Friday night and if you can win and end up, you know, the top say five, that is, that is so big for the team ranks. Um, If you, you know, win one, lose one, win, win, lose, you know, then it, then it really, it, you know, you only get a couple points out of that. What you want is for somebody to overachieve, and I was capable of that. And then, you know, maybe it's somebody like Drake Ayala, you know, come out. And again, if you can get to a Friday night and you can guarantee a place, placing, and, and you can, um, you know, get a pin here and there, I mean, I think it's going to be a tight race. I, I do. And, um, you know, but you, you, your best wrestlers have to wrestle the best. And the, the hardest part for Iowa is, you know, like Gable Steveson at Minnesota, when you had Spencer Lee, that was a guarantee. You're like, yep. okay, this guy's going to get whatever the max amount of points is um, for his victories. And then, you know, you know, a couple tech falls in a, in a, in a fall or two, and um, you're not having that. You don't have those guarantees and that makes it very, very difficult. But, but, you know, a Jaden Ironman, you know, Austin DeSanto, if you can get an upset, um, get into Saturday night, you know that I think that's really what it's all about. Um, if you want to win the, the big t- or the national championship, yeah, agreed. Should be a, a good show, and that is in Detroit this year, and that'll be uh, a week from this coming weekend uh, in Detroit, the NCAA championship. So it'll be a busy weekend. Then you'll have the Iowa women at home, the Iowa men uh, at a to be determined location, and the wrestling team will be in Detroit. We'll be back next week to talk to you guys again. Uh, We'll kind of just see. We don't know what the bracket's going to look like and when Iowa plays, but we'll work around that schedule next week uh, for the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Enjoy basketball this weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Say goodbye, Scott. Bye, Scott. Ah, man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh... 
No way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. 